Hello and welcome to Create, Talk, Repeat. My name is Dustin Brenton. On today's podcast, I spoke with Marcy Quay, a painter who inspired me to pick up a paintbrush, though we have very different styles. She has some great insights not only for how to begin your artistic journey, but for the business side as well. But before we get to that interview, here's a word from our sponsor. Stay tuned. Hey, if you enjoy this podcast, visit anchor.fm. It's a great way to build your own podcast and get paid while doing it. That's anchor.fm. Back to the show. Hello, and today on Create Talk Repeats, I'm joined by Marcy Quay. Well, thank you for having me. I've uh, enjoyed watching your podcast grow. Well, thanks. I, it's, uh, you know, it's fun now that I have several of them under my belt. I'm I'm hearing from friends and people I don't even know saying that they're listening to the podcast. And it's kind of a, it's an interesting new world for me to, you know, put this out here for everybody to listen to and uh, to share my passion of design and art and just creativity in general. And to bring people like you that have, that actually are creating stuff that um, have inspired me and stuff that I have uh, I just loved looking at and I love being a part of. So um, this has been a fun adventure for me and I'm looking forward to many, many more interviews with people like you. <laughs> so um, Marcy, I, you know, I, I always ask everybody when they come on here so they can put it into their own words and, and then I'll elaborate. <laughs> um, what is it that you create? So I'm essentially a, a visual artist. I'm a painter and sometimes I do a little bit of collage. But my work started out very improvisational, meaning I was basically experimenting with mark making and color palettes and composition. And then, and I did that for about a year and a half. And then at some point it started transitioning into somewhat of, of both improvisation with impression so i was actually being inspired by things around me like nature so i started doing these um floral type abstracts as well so it's it's kind of transitioned i still do some purely improvisational stuff but um, i'm finding it very challenging to go that next step and uh, take some inspiration from something around me and, and decide what the color scheme is going to be and and actually, even in like the last two weeks, I'm working on this series for a grant. And, you know, you've seen my work. It's very pretty chaotic. Mm. Um, in fact, like, I was looking like in, at, a, in, a, in a, one, a wonderful way, not like in a wonderful a, way. I know yeah. I was thinking today if I could use a better word than chaotic. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Energetic. Beautiful. But chaos. And, and, yeah. you know, yeah, a little chaos. But, well, and, you know, people say that art exists. Um, between order and chaos and that different people have this tolerance for order and chaos. And I'm looking at your work and my work and yours is very orderly and mine is more on the chaotic realm. And so actually in the last few weeks, I have been trying to bring some order, not to dull down my voice, but I've been using one brush, mm-hmm. one brush for the whole painting. And that has really added a, an interesting challenge. And I think, I actually think it's been very helpful. So well, you end up, you end up with just one, well, it could end up with just one size of a stroke, or I guess if you pivot the brush and, you know, different angles and stuff, then you end up with different sizes. But um, yeah, I typically use one brush for my stuff. 
Um, but it's just, uh, and, and I end up with different, I guess, shapes and sizes just based off of what I tape off and how I use okay. uh, the tape stuff. But so it's, it's interesting that, you know, you mentioned how orderly and, you know, the order and chaos together and how your stuff is, is a bit chaotic and you've been trying to push yourself to be a little more orderly. Whereas we were talking before the podcast started, um, I'm doing the opposite. I, I right. was, I've been so, you know, regimented in, you know, I, I come from a design background, so everything has a place, everything has alignment and everything, you know, has a reason. Um, and I've tried to push myself kind of in another direction. I did a piece and I wasn't too big fan of it, but it's always fun to push yourself and try to create something new. You may try to do this, you know, this new world of, you know, order and you may look at it and go, you know what? That's not really me. I'm trying to right. emulate somebody else's work. I'm trying to do something right. that's not me. And you might go back to where you are or you might, you know, I always feel like no matter what we do in life, we can always learn and grow from it, whether that's artistically or just personally, whatever. Um, just push yourself to be creative and to do something different. There's nothing wrong with that. And you might create a piece and go, eh, not my best work, but at least I learned, you know, how to mix this oh, color yeah. or use a different brush. I I think if you're not experimenting and growing, that there's probably a problem. So I think that's good that you're showing that interest. And it's funny because when I first started doing my abstracts, I and I like the work that you do too, even though it's very different than mine. I like a lot of different types of art. But I had some people who were like engineers or who hadn't spent a lot of time around art and they would be like, I don't even like, I don't know how to look at your art. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know art. I don't understand art. I don't know what to think. Like they were actually almost paralyzed by it. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, well, you don't have to think anything. You just have to enjoy it or not enjoy it. Right. That's it. It, you know, it doesn't have to be any more complicated. When I first saw your work, um, there was a festival here in Franklin of uh, the Ethos Celebration of the Arts. It happens every year. Please join. Um, but mm -hmm. the, uh, I saw your work in the um, uh, in a gallery where we were able to vote for our you know our favorite and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, yours did get my vote, by the way. You know, oh, telling very my vote. Cool. So Thank I don't you. know if you ended up winning, whatever. But uh, but it was my favorite. But you mentioned how people go well, how do i even look at your art how do i experience it and that was a, a moment i was i was in the gallery and i was walking around with my son who was oh it's been two years ago he's about eight at the time we were walking around looking at the art and we were talking about it and being um having a design background i'm looking at the art and i'm, I'm explaining to him you know uh, focal points and proximity and all these different uh design aspects and stuff and we get to art like yours and i'm and i'm explaining to him like how how an artist can show a feeling and can show an emotion without actually having to literally show that, you know, you could look at a painting of yours, a piece of art and say that shows, uh, you know, happiness that shows energy that shows, and it also almost becomes kind of a Rorschach test, right? It's whatever, you know, the ink block test, whatever you see in it is what it is. You might see right. something and go, wow, this is, this is happiness and this is, you know, joy and whatnot. But then, um, you know, somebody else may come up and go, oh, that's, you know, that's crazy and that's chaotic. But uh, just being able to, I, I was showing him the different types of artwork and how there's some, just based off of brush strokes and color and stuff, how you can get an emotion out of it. And the the piece that I first saw, not, uh, I'm, it's, I have an interview podcast and I'm talking too much. The first piece of yours was called um, Excellence Endures. 
it's on your uh, on your website and it's yes. it's amazing it's like still one of my favorite pieces that i've seen Thank like, you. you know ever but um but yeah can you talk a little bit more about um you know being in that that festival and then also you know kind of your uh, emotions when you're painting how do you how you know because i've tried to do art like yours and i i don't get it like i get it to view it i don't get it to make it you know so how do you right. create stuff like this okay well i have a couple comments to make about what you said and so as i have moved into what i said is like partially improvisation and partially impression meaning the feeling part right mm -hmm. um that has been really challenging but absolutely improvisational i'm just exploring with color and actually what's really interesting about that piece is that I had been looking at Art Deco mm -hmm. at that time. Like, so, so this whole art thing came up for me uh, really heavily, like the last three years. And so it just, it was like this renaissance of all of these things that I looked at and was interested in when I was, you know, in my twenties or something. Mm -hmm. And in that piece, I happened to be just doing improvisation, but at the same time, I happen to be actually looking recently at Art Deco, and that's coming out in my work. And so when you're talking about the feelings and absorbing the things around you, now I'm really focused on, I wanna see if I, and this is what I'm working on, a series of paintings that are of a certain feeling or place, because when I, started painting abstracts at some point i noticed people kept saying not a lot of people occasionally would say oh abstract art isn't art mm -hmm. and i was like i didn't know what they meant i didn't do anything and so i followed up later and i thought what are they talking about abstract isn't art haven't you ever heard of uh, jackson pollock or joan sure. mitchell and but then i started asking myself that question like does abstract art you know, add value. So it took me down this whole rabbit hole of what is art? What is good art? What is fine art? Mm -hmm. um, and that immediate led me to beauty, which is, you know, around us. Yeah. And so that was a big transition for me when I said, okay, I want to start looking at the beauty around me, which evokes feelings and emotions and see if I can take on that challenge of putting it into a 2D space. And that whole thing is blowing my mind because I'm realizing it's like, okay, I'm looking at this natural wonder around me, whether it's trees or flowers or the ocean, and someone else created that. And now I'm trying to take it and put it on a 2D space. And I'm adding to that creation and I'm adding my own emotion and feeling to it. So it's, and I love being in that space. Like I get caught up in it and i go someplace else like it's this transcendent experience i'm there i'm doing my thing but mm -hmm. when i let go and i'm not thinking it really gets interesting and a lot of my tests are my most interesting work like i actually sell my tests i do these little tests like these little six by six paintings and people buy them and i don't really mm -hmm. do them to like i'm not trying to make money or anything i'm actually testing colors and palettes and marks, but they turn out right. to be little paintings and I sell them. Um, but you were asking me about you getting into that space of being free. And it's like, 
You have to position yourself to experiment and to play. And I do that in a lot of different ways. Like I will, I'll even just take a class for, for fun, an online course in collage or something just to have. And sometimes I want to, you know, throw my computer against the wall because it's so hard. But for me, you have to let go of the direction in some ways. Like you have to let the painting talk back to you. So I'll yeah. have a, a, I'll have a, an idea of where I'm going, but not a finalized idea. I'll say, okay, I want to work with these colors mm -hmm. and I'm feeling this emotion. But when you lay down a, when you lay down a stroke, you lay down a mark, you have to react to what the canvas is saying back to you. Yeah. And it's like a conversation. And sometimes my conversations will go on for weeks or months. I'll have a, something I worked on and I get bored with it or whatever and I'll put it away. And then I'm trying to warm up later and I'll go, oh, I've got to grab that painting and warm up and work it. But it's a conversation between you and the piece. And at some point it becomes a little bit trans or completely transcendent when mm -hmm. you're in that space. And I think it is for the viewer too, because the viewer is looking at the art. And if they love it, it's same thing with music. If somebody loves the song, the first thing they say is, I love this song. And then they're gone and they're dancing. And, mm -hmm. and you know, you go someplace. You're going someplace. And another reason why I wanted to do like start adding in the impressionist stuff is that I really feel that art is really powerful when it provides a memory. Or a, a remembrance, because people will say, oh, my goodness, that painting reminds me of this flower when I was at this beach or whatever. So mm -hmm. I find that very satisfying. So I hope that helps with your. Yeah, I, I think, journey. you know, one of, the, one of the things that you touched on a few things there. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was how people say, you know, what what is art? You know, and that's not right. that's not art. Or I've heard so many times people go, "Well, I could have done that." It's like, well, but you didn't. <laughs> everybody, but you didn't. They... Somebody, Marcy I, I did. <laughs> and I know uh, everybody thinks they can do abstracts. Yeah, well, and uh, that's I, and you also and that's you know when I started painting, I also got the you know it always it sounds kind of corny to the to people you know outside of the creative world to say, well. The canvas speaks to me or i'm I'm having a conversation and people kind of roll their eyes at that speak but i have the same feeling and i've even said it on mm -hmm. this podcast before with another interview was like sometimes i don't know what i'm going to create but i want to paint something and so right. i just i get a canvas I, like you said i know i want to use these colors so i'll start with this color and i'll paint it and i'll go okay what am i seeing here what am i going right. to do here now most of the time at that point i go back to a computer and i start laying everything out in illustrator and so I have an idea of what I'm going to create before I even start, you know, uh, adding the next layers on. Sometimes I'll start with just a base, but then I'll go back and I'll add what, whatever it might be. So I I do a lot of my stuff on the computer before I even start. Do you do any sort of sketching or do you have any sort of idea of what you're going to create before you start doing it? Um, or do you, um, is there any sort of, what are your process, what is your step steps to get to creating a piece and then the other part of that question is how do you know when you're done you know like when you're creating something yeah, you can always right you can always add another stroke you can always add another red line here or red <laughs> line, and you gotta finally just go i'm done and you gotta just i'm sure there comes a point where you finally just have to put the brush down and walk away and go i'm done i'm not touching it anymore right so you you brought up a couple things that i'm gonna touch on here but um so the way that i start and i was like oh how do i start um 
so one of the challenges for me which may be a similar challenge for you is that i don't paint all the time like i wish it were my full-time job but it isn't and so i have to be away from my paints I try to paint five days a week if I can, even if it's for 20 minutes a day. But I tend to like warm up and I have all these like an athlete. I figured that out. I kind of warm up like an athlete, like get my hands going, get my mind going. Um, I even like what I call look at tape, which is like I look at work. I look at my work. I look at other people's work. Mm -hmm. So I get warmed up and sometimes that will lead me into a painting. Sometimes I'm... <clears throat> just experimenting with color. But I would say a regular process for me is that I have an idea of the palette. For me, I'm working, I'm starting with color. Um, and that's pretty much it. Now, recently, since I've started saying, okay, so I'm working on this series that is inspired by a trip I took to Ireland and I'm doing like floral abstracts. Lots of greens. Oh yeah, we can talk about green. <laughs> I'm like, I start working with green. I'm like, oh my goodness, green is yellow and blue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, and then you're like, and then you start realizing, like, oh my goodness, blue conveys green. Mm -hmm. Like blue does convey green in certain um, certain situations, particularly if there's yellow on the page. And we could talk about color theory. But so I tend to start with direction based on um color. And now it's based on, I've been taking these photographs I took in Ireland and I basically figure out where the color palette's going to be. And then I, I move from there. But you know, after that, it's honestly, it's pretty improvisational. I'm not being real specific. Now, how do I know when it's done? You know, art has really helped me with intuition and what, and I, so they're all like, I never saw this coming from me. I never saw this art journey like it's changed my life and one of the things that happened to me was I would be working on a painting and I wouldn't know what my next move was what I wanted to do next and I would make a move I would put down paint or I'd make a mark and it would be the wrong thing and I would know immediately why'd you do that mm -hmm. you knew you shouldn't have done that you knew you weren't ready because you can walk away from a painting and let it dry and come back to it and of course you can take it right off if the painting is dry when you start which is something nobody told me from the beginning and i had to figure that out now but i started saying you need to learn what is that feeling in your gut you really and so i have started to try to develop that and i have to a certain degree or now i walk away from the painting if i'm not really really sure and as far as knowing when it's finished a lot of people say 80 percent like when you feel like it's 80% there, it's probably done. Probably and done. I would say, again, walk away from it. But I, there's another thing that people say in art and they'll say, well, if you want to sell your art, it has to be exceptional. And then you go, what's well, exceptional? Right. <laughs> it takes a, yeah. Like it takes a while to, and you almost, I'm sorry, but it's like you almost have to be going through a lot of canvas and a lot of paint. They say paint like a millionaire. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about wasting paint. And and a lot of these, like you hear all these good tips, but it almost like takes years before they connect in your head because it takes years of playing with the paint to get mm -hmm. there.
So yeah. did I answer your question? Yes. Yeah, that's great. Okay. <laughs> when did you when did you start creating? So you mentioned that you started painting about three years ago. Mm -hmm. But were you were you always creative? Were you as a kid? Were you sketching? Did you like painting? Were you into music? Was there always some sort of creativity in your life from you know a long time ago? You said it was kind of a surprise <laughs> to you to start painting. Was uh, yeah. when did you start creating? So um I don't know if I mentioned this, but painting was like a midlife thing for me, like a midlife crisis. I don't want to say crisis because it wasn't a crisis, but you get to midlife and you're like, hey, there's certain things I want to do that I haven't mm -hmm. been able to do. And mine was like, I want to learn to ball dance. I want to ballroom dance. I want to learn to paint. I want to learn an instrument. And that's where it started for me. But as far as my childhood goes, like I had missed out on those things. Like my parents went through a divorce when I was young and I, I just, I missed out on a lot of things. I was thinking today about, I missed out on music because I moved schools and I, it, the other, the new school wasn't in the same place. And like, I faked my way through the flutophone, pretending like I could read music and I never really learned. So I missed out on a lot of that. And, but I did, my house, my house had seven kids and our house, I wouldn't say our house, it wasn't filled with artists, but I would say there was a lot of art artistic ingenuity or creative ingenuity like all of my brothers and sisters were doing pretty cool crazy things like brewing or building a golf course in the backyard or my one brother made like a 70 foot tall tree house i mean wow. so it was crazy and fun and for me i did theater i did things that i could like show up and do but i would say yes i was creative and i actually i, I work as a writer so i studied journalism because you know my mother's family they were farmers and my dad's family his parents were teachers so it was a very conservative um perspective where if i had gone and said i'm gonna go to study theater it would have been like are you crazy you're gonna study art or music or theater so i studied journalism which was you know part business Practical. part writing so right. actually if you look at my career i i'm a writer and i'm a um painter but i i as a and it's so fascinating because you know i have like a day job where i write but now because of my art i want to transition into writing about art mm -hmm. and so i have been as a part of this grant and i'm blown away because the writing about art is informing the painting and the painting is informing the writing and and of course now you hear that artists will say that happens Right. Yeah. So. It's, it's been, you know, for myself, you know, starting, you know, creating art and then it's led me to this uh, podcast and, and doing this and then talking to people like you. And then I know taking from what we've talked about today and whatnot, I'm going to go create some more art and it's all cyclical. It's all going to, you know, it all feeds off of yeah. each other. So though, talk about when you first started painting. So when you first, how did you get to a point where you were, whatever going to hobby lobby and buying some paints and buying yeah. some because uh, that's where i got mine um going and getting that first canvas and going i'm going to start painting did you what did you go take a class were you just like i'm going to watch a youtube video that's how i did it i just looked up youtube and said how do i paint with acrylics and i watched right. several different people and then i looked up a lot of, i was watching a lot of stuff on instagram uh and just different artists and stuff um that's kind of where i got but where were how was it what was your first um experience with grabbing a canvas going and buying paints and starting out okay so 
I signed up for a class like Acrylics 101 at the Art Center in Indianapolis. And I, I, I have some really great takeaways from that class. Um, there were probably about 15 people and every single person in that class had a good piece or two. And everybody in the class had stuff that was awful. Okay, so our teacher had us do a color wheel, some value skills, and then we did one of each type of painting. Like we did a landscape, we did a portrait, we did a an abstract, and um, still life. And so my abstract had a ton of energy, and the instructor said, "Wow, you have a ton of energy in that." And then actually, this is really interesting. My when she said we're going to do self portraits, I I walked up to her desk because I I said I can't do it. I can't do this. I'm not doing it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to start. And she said, yes, you can. And you're going to do it. <laughs> Go sit down and I don't care what comes out. And then I actually had the best portrait in the mm. class. Yeah. And that just, I just want your listeners to know that you can in one hour or two hours say, I can't do something. And then within two hours, you can do it. So that was really challenging for me. So after that, so, so here's what would happen after that. I would paint for a little while and I would put my paints in a box or a tub and I would put them away and I would forget about it for a long time. Then I would pull them out again and I would paint terribly. Maybe a couple cool things would come out of it and then I'd have to pack them up and put them away. Mm -hmm. Well, finally, my son went to college and I had time to do some things and I there were two people that really changed my art career. And they both are in psychology. One's an MD and one's a PhD. And I, what I took was I took Nancy Hillis's class, which was online. And I remember I was mortified because I spent $600 on an online art class. And I, I, it, I was like, oh, I don't want to tell anybody. I took kids. Like, how embarrassing, you know? Like, I think yeah. I'm an idiot. But um, she has changed my life. And I told her that. And what Nancy did is she limited the world. So, you know, if you go to Hobby Lobby and you don't know anything about painting and you're standing there and you're looking at the brushes and the paints and the mediums mm -hmm. and you're like, how do I know what to pick? It's right. overwhelming. And on Blick.com, which is where I both buy most of my stuff online, it's 90,000 products. Right. I mean, it's just it's 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 just a mind boggling. So Nancy said, look, you cannot approach this. You have to limit things. So limit your palette. We're going to work with black and white and pick two colors. We're going to work with that. And then this was really key. She said, because you know how hard it is to find your voice. Mm -hmm. She had us do a maquette where she said, take a piece of paper and break it into six sections. Take a tool, like one or two tools, and just make six marks. And she goes, okay, those are your marks. Now go paint with those marks. And that like really narrowed my world. And, and you were talking prior about um, feelings and emotions. After I did that, I still have those six marks. Yeah. And after I did it, I went back and I'd labeled the emotions of those marks, like what I thought they felt. So mm -hmm. Nancy was really huge and she has all sorts of other um, help um, that I, uh, that she helped me with. Um, but the other one was Jordan Peterson, and this was really key. He um, is a psychologist, and he helps people uh, with deciding what they want to do next in their life. And so he has this four-point plan where he says, decide what would be good for you. And that's whether it's 
pick a career, decide if you want a spouse, whatever it might be. Mine was a hobby. So mm -hmm. uh, decide what would be good for you, figure out the criteria for succeeding, reorient your world to make it happen and be serious. Well, I knew I wanted to do art. I knew I could find the body of knowledge, right? You're like, I could go find it on YouTube or right. yep. whatever. You can string that together. And then, um, but the reorient your world was huge because remember I told you I was taking my paints and putting them away. So I took my home office, even though I wasn't an artist, and I made it into an art studio. And I took my home office and I put it in a basket. And so I work, I worked at my dining table and I did that wow. for like, like I said, three years. I, I so and that's when everything took off. And being serious was I would get up in the morning before work and I would paint then. And I still do that. And my most productive days are when I get up really, really early and I spend one to three hours before I start writing. Mm -hmm. um, but here's the really cool thing. In the last year, I really wanted to expand my studio. So I took my sun porch, which has more square footage than my home office, and I put real windows in it. It was screened in. And now I have a bigger studio. And now this, what you're seeing, is turned back into my home office. But I kind of forgot once I built, I was so excited about uh building the bigger space that I forgot that when I came back to the old studio, it was a disaster and I had to spend some time painting it and getting it back. So you had to paint it in a different way. You didn't start doing your abstracts oh, to, on the walls. Let's just and... say I had to remove a lot of paint and I had to redo all the walls. And even, right. I have paint splattered on the windows. Luckily that comes off, but yeah. Um, so anyway, so, I hope I answered your question about that. Yeah. What have you, what have you learned about the, the business side of it. We don't talk about this a whole lot uh, in on this podcast. A lot of it is all the the creative uh, aspects of it. But with any creative industry, I mean, if you want to make money off of it, and you want to, you know, uh, do more than just create things and hang them on your own walls. What you know, what's the business side in the marketplace been like for you as a newcomer? Um, right. quote newcomer into into this world. Um, have you found success in actually, you know, selling pieces? Have you had people come to you and commission anything? Or what's where where do you land on that? Yeah. Um, so I love the business side of art and I actually enjoy it almost as much, not quite, because I don't like the taxes and keeping receipts. I'm, that's my right. worst thing is yeah. the bookkeeping. Um that was a fail for me this year, 2022. That was one of my fails was <laughs> keeping my expenses caught up every week. But I love the business side. I'm blown away by how much money people spend on art. Like mm -hmm. it's billions of dollars. Okay. Everybody, some people, the world of art has changed and more people are buying art, particularly more people are working remotely and they want their homes to be nice. And I think it's kind of like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs that our needs are being met in other ways. Like, we don't typically have food shortages and bad water and things like that. So we have time to think about art. And I've actually read that some of the biggest purchase purchasers of art are young women, young professional women spend money on real art. So that's interesting. But the marketplace is again, like going to Hobby Lobby, it blows your mind because you have all these different channels for selling your art, right? You could sell it yourself on your website. You could go to an online marketplace like Sachi Art or Taipei. There's a lot of those. I, I mean, I could go on about a lot of those. Mm -hmm. You could do a local co-op 
which is an artist-run gallery. You could do a nonprofit gallery. Um, so I started by trying things out, testing the market. And I actually, from, from my business life, I was fortunate enough to help launch a business with a, other, a lot of people who had already done it. I was doing the marketing communication side. And so I learned a lot about Agile. And so I've taken kind of an agile approach to my art business, which is I set my website up before I was ready. I was talking with gallery owners before I was ready. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with stepping into a local gallery contract or, you know, trying to sell some stuff online. Now, what happened to me was, what happened to me was I was just painting for fun. And then I came up with this group of paintings and I thought, wow, that looks as good as something you find at Pottery Barn. Right. <laughs> and of course it wasn't, but at the time I was seeing something and I think it was the composition. I wasn't quite there on the color. So I started like you going on Google, figuring out when can you sell your art? Oh, you have to wait till it's exceptional. What's exceptional? Mm -hmm. But this one guy had this really good tip. He said, do the does your art suck uh, test. So that's just start floating it on Instagram, floating it out there on Facebook. So I started doing that. And guess what I got? Can I buy it? <laughs> and then you're like, I don't know. Can you buy it? I'm like, <laughs> what do I sell it for? What? Right. What do you price it at? That oh was one gosh, of the things the that I came into. Yeah. Is it's How a hugest it? mental hurdle. I can well, help you, talk to you through that. You yeah, well, through. no, and you you end up with I I have a few pieces for sale here and uh, just at a local shop here in Franklin, but I had a conversation with the guy behind the counter because he was like, at first we were just it was just a gallery, we we're just displaying it, but then he was like, do you want to sell it? And I was like, well, okay, like if somebody right. wants to pay me for it, he's like, what do you want to put on it? I was like, oh, I haven't thought of a price tag, and right. so we kind of went back and forth, and you end up with, um, or at least myself, I don't know, I'm speaking for you. Um, imposter syndrome right where you're like absolutely courage. you need courage and i'm not really an artist i just you know do this for fun like there's real people that really do this but i'm just you know but then you know what makes a real artist what what makes a professional artist you know it's well you're creating art right and so right. it's it's hard to get over that imposter syndrome and go yeah my stuff's worth a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or whatever you put that price tag on it yeah and there there's some stuff that you see uh, or that i see um that is in the gallery and i'm like you know it's it's up on the wall and it's like two thousand dollars and i'm like nobody's ever buying that <laughs> nobody's, gonna, <laughs> nobody's gonna buy that postage stamp for two thousand dollars they will i don't know but yeah, maybe then I, I look at my stuff and i think well did i price it too high did i not price it you know or yeah, is it just not something that people want you know so um how did you get to that point where you're deciding and I'm not asking you for pricing but just like oh, did no, you have did you shirt, did you have that point where you were like people are going to pay me for this oh yeah so and of course the first person the first couple of people that asked to buy your work are friends and family mm -hmm. and then and and not only was it pricing it and I felt guilty like asking friends and family and I did one of my girlfriends said I want to commission a piece and we can talk about my love hate relationship with commissions cuz I don't like them but I can tell you what what people say the approach should be. But um, I told my friend, I said, I'm gonna charge you lifelong friend because I need to get over that hurdle. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna be my friend and I'm gonna charge you. And she's like, this is perfect. Woman supporting woman, I'm gonna charge and you're gonna pay. <laughs> and um, so it, it took a while to get comfortable with it. 
and I gave away, I was, the only regrets I have are the pieces I didn't ask for what they really are worth. And now I'd rather hold and because it's a part of you, your paintings are a part of you. And so now I don't like, I've had people make offers on paintings and I just say, no, I mean, if it makes sense, if it's worth it to me, if I think it's reasonable, I'll take the offer. But I have paintings that I, I haven't sold because I'm not willing to part with it like at right. a bargain basement price and a, a, a lesson i learned from that is and this this is good for emerging artists is the pipeline for purchases or the sales pipeline can be very long it can be really quick so i can paint a painting and post it on instagram and someone will say i want it can i have it how much and they'll sell it and it won't even be dry you know i'll be like okay we, we gotta wait for it so so that does happen but other times I had some work in my garage that was some of my early work and someone was wanting to buy several pieces and that piece was like on a shelf in the garage and it was some of my early work that I was ignoring. So, so I guess the lesson on that is you might need to hang on to it for several years. If you think it's worth selling, it might take that long. Mm -hmm. And as far as like the pricing, um, I don't like always to tell like people who buy art this because it seems like it devalues it or something. But a lot of famous artists, if you start looking at their work, you're going to start figuring out maybe a price per square inch. Like $1, $2, $3, $10. And, um, and that keeps a consistency in your work so it makes sense to the customer. And then a lot of people say like, so I have, I had a gallery contract for a little over a year and I have a a piece at another guy, one piece at another gallery right now. Um, I was at Carmel Art of Maine. Fantastic experience. I'd love to share that experience and why I decided to like do something else. But that was really helpful because one of the painters, there's a master painter. He said, if I were you, don't sell anything, even the tiniest little test for less than $80. Like, you know, that's about, it's worth something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But finding that consistency and settling into kind of a formula. And then I add on or I take off. Like if it's a really complex piece, I might add on to it. Uh, you know, and another thing I learned early on was I don't want to be in the shipping and packaging business. Right. I mean, the first time I started selling paintings, I was like, I'm running over to UPS. I'm trying to figure out how big a box it is. I'm trying to figure out, well, how long do I have to let it dry? What's my presentation of it? What's the customer experience of it? And I finally thought, I want to make art. I want someone else to ship it and package it. And so that's why I'm a big believer in the gallery scene, even if they take 30%, even if they, whatever they're taking. It's like, well, you don't have to I, deal I with have all that. Market now, yeah. my issue is if the gallery is not going to market it or promote it, then I'm not. Why would I want to? I'll, I'll find another one who does. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's I, I agree. You know, there's there's certain things that I do for myself. Um, I also produce music and and post it online and it's on Spotify. But like, I don't do all the distribution. I found a website that does that. They handle all the finances. They handle everything else. And I they take a percentage and I get part of it. So it's like. It's, I don't have to deal with all that extra rigmarole that comes with right. it. They take care of it. You know, all the, all the back end distribution of it. So, um, 
do you have a favorite piece that you've created? Do you have, you talked about like, yes. if somebody wants to buy a piece and you're like, I can't let go of that. And I, you know, I'm sitting those. here, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking about all these pieces back behind me mm -hmm. here. You can't see this because it's an audio podcast, but I have a lot of my work behind me and I'm thinking, I'm going through my brain. Like if somebody offered me, or what would it take if somebody came and said, right. I'll give you $500 for that. I'll give you $1,000 for that. Like, what would it take for me to get rid of these pieces? Because these are some of my first pieces and they really mean a lot to me. But do you have a favorite piece that you've created? Yes. And then I want to talk with you about parting with things and what happens when you part with something that you sure. love. And it's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, it'll be a transition in your career when you, sell one of those early pieces that you absolutely love and then it goes into someone else's house and it takes on a new life and joy so there's is a huge satisfaction when you have a piece that has brought you great joy that you love and then in a lot of ways it's meant to you'll find out oh that was meant to be in such and such's house you know what i mean because now that's bringing joy and influencing their life Okay, so I have this piece and it's at the end of my hallway. So when you're in my house, it's got a great view. And that piece means a lot to me for several reasons. The first reason is that it was the first piece when I had this aha moment when I realized that I could be going in a certain direction. Like, let's just say you're going in direction with some of your geometric figures and your color patterns and you're halfway, you're into this painting and you're like, my gut says, my intuition says, go another direction, go another color. And that's what happened to me in that painting. It started out one way and it just, it just kept escalating and escalating, going this way and going this way. And then towards the end, I started getting these really loose marks. And I'm like, those are my marks. Like you hear when they say, how do you find your voice? How do you find your marks? Mm -hmm. That painting was the one where I, you know, it was like, yes, I just, this feels right. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing that happened with that painting is later on, I see this famous painter. And, you know, I, I've only been into art for like three years, so I couldn't possibly know everybody who's ever been a painting or been a painter. But I saw Joe Mitchell's work. And she's like one of the all time most famous abstract artists. And she's like, I think she's the ultimate master of loose brushstroke and chroma. Like she can make red, uh, orange and blue, like blow your mind and see pianos playing. I mean, it just, it blows your mind. But I saw her work in my work or my work in her work. I don't know who she came first so. But I didn't even know who she was, you know? Right. And so anyway, so that painting is really personal. And I have a friend who's who's collected several paintings and he keeps asking me for more. And I think he would really like that. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm really ready to part with it. But I had sold one to him that I felt like that. Like I loved it. Like I'll paint and then sit down and put my feet up and be so happy with the painting, grab a glass of wine and I'll just be thrilled. Like mm -hmm. there is this thrilling, thrilling, positive high a, yeah. a joy that you get when you finish a painting and you didn't know it was there you didn't know mm -hmm. that this thing was going to come to life right and i'll really enjoy that but at some point you realize i can do this again not only can i do this again but i can do it better and i can continue to do this because the ideas are infinite 
Like mm-hmm. I used to wake up in the middle of the night. Like I dream about painting when I'm in a really good place in my life, not stressed out or not thinking about too many things. I'll dream. And I used to wake up and write notes down. And then I realized after like a year that the ideas were infinite. I don't have to write them down. There's, there's, there'll be a new one. And new so one will come up, with, right? Yeah. Yeah. There'll be a new one. Uh, you know, maybe it'll come back. Maybe it won't. But um, when you start putting paintings in other people's homes or their businesses and they love it and it mm-hmm. impacts their life, that's an equal part of joy as me seeing the one at the end of my hallway every day. Yeah. So as yeah. you see, I'm on fire. I'm like, I'm ready to cry about that. <laughs> no, like, it's emotional for that me. It, it really like, is. So much courage. Yeah. I can show anybody my paintings about my two sisters. Mm-hmm. Like that's what the only people I showed because I didn't have the courage. And yeah. you have to, you have to have courage and you have to be resilient because it is hard. Well, and it I, is I, very hard. When I first started, I and I'm still kind of this way. Um, I started a separate Instagram account that's not my own personal one to post my <laughs> so art you can on. Be anonymous. So it's kind of anonymous. Yeah. So I, I post it on there and nobody knows me, you know, whatever. And yeah, I shared it with a few awesome. friends and stuff. And then every once in a while, I'll create something and I'll share it on my own personal page. And I had a piece that you talk about, a piece that you look at and you just, you're like, you can grab a glass of wine and sit there and just appreciate yes. this work. And I have a new one that I made that's hanging up in my house. And I'm like, I don't think I could ever get rid of this. Like this right. is, there's something about this piece. Um, you right. know, I mean, everything has its price, but <laughs> there's, there's something about this piece that I just, I keep looking at and I keep, you know, and there's other art like that, that I, I see out in the world and um, like uh, uh, just, you know, some of your work that I've seen and there's um, an artist um, and I probably have his name wrong, but it's like uh, Robert Delaney, I think, but he created this art called Endless Rhythm. And it's actually, it's actually my, my, uh, it's actually my iPhone case. Oh yeah, that's cool. And, And like, I could literally just stare at Endless Rhythm endlessly right. <laughs> but i just love this art and when i felt that way about something that i created that's weird you know that's a that's, that's it's awesome. a good weird it's a good yeah. weird, but it's a weird feeling to go am i being conceited am i being boastful am i being ego, you know, yeah, yeah. egotistical like but yeah. there's just something about this it, this feeling this euphoria of you've created something that's actually really cool and like right. you really enjoy it and you hope that other people enjoy it as well but if it's bringing you joy and you know have that's at right. it so, I um, love that. Yeah, euphoria is a great way to describe it. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about um, the Indiana Arts Commission and about your, uh, you said you received grants from uh, I got from my there. first grant. Mm-hmm. And so they have this really great program that you would be appropriate for probably, I'm guessing. But, and it's unique in the country. And so basically, Indiana wants to promote local artists and help them figure out how to not be a starving artist, but be a business and have that um, improve our communities. Because, you know, people's lives, people's communities are improved by art. And so here's the program. It's really cool. Um, You basically get three days of intense business instruction, which Mm -hmm. was the some of the best business instruction and i've gone to lots of businesses business conferences over my life mainly related to writing marketing communications really good and um one of the key takeaways from that was this whole idea of a portfolio artist career and what that means is you know if you if your career is like 
a pie, you would have a portion of it. For me, my 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 portfolio is writing and painting. Mm -hmm. Now I, I would like to switch it so it's more painting and then writing. And I'd also like to my I write business for businesses, but I would like to change my writing to art writing. Mm -hmm. So I have some transitions to make here. And that was extremely helpful to work through that. And then as a part of the program, if you do the work, you can apply for a grant. Um, and the grant is designed to teach you how to go get more grants because it's not, you kind of have to do it. It's experiential learning. You kind of yeah. have to do the grant. It's a lot of work. And so they, they say, look, we will walk you through it and teach you how to do it. If you do what we say, you'll get the money. It has to be within the parameters, but then you have to face a jury like of three professionals who evaluate your grant and they come back. It has nothing to do with the arts commission. They're separate. And they come back and say, and it's live on YouTube. You can go watch it because it's public mm -hmm. money. So you can watch it, but they come back and say, well, I feel really good about this, but I would like to see her do this or switch this and, and boy, that was a that that has been a game changer for me. So my grant that I'm doing is two things. I'm doing my first series, which that's like I, I, like a I, I can't believe I didn't figure this out before. But there's a reason why artists work in series because it enables you to communicate to your audience what your art is about and what you do. So that's why I'm doing the Ireland. Um, floral abstract series. So that would be my series. It's I have a year to do it. It's due by August. I have to share it with my community. So I have to have an outlet. I can sell it. I can do how many shows I want, but I'm required to share it in my community so that there can be conversations about. So I'm actually going to be at the Johnson County Garden Club flower show in May. I did mm -hmm. something like that. Um. And I thought that would be a good tie-in for people since I am nature-inspired, floral-inspired. I'll be around people who are also nature-inspired and have this conversation. Right. But the secondary part to my grant is that I have to write a piece about art, at least 1,500 words, and try to get it published. If I can't get someone to pick up on it, like a magazine or whatever, freelance type thing, I have to publish it on my website as like a blog piece. And so you'll love this. So I started on that and it's turned into a book. I was that motivated that I went from, I'm going to write a 1500 word piece. So I was like, I have a book. So I've, I hopefully, I wish I could have my book done by then. So I could um, share it and sell it with that group. I'm not sure I'll have it done. I can at least turn it into a, a news article, but hopefully I'll have my book done by then. That's so awesome. I highly That's... recommend it. I think it's a great program. Yeah, you and I are going to talk a lot more after this. Oh, yeah, you're going like, <laughs> we're, oh, well, we're to be the best friends. <laughs> I think the application is due like today, actually. <laughs> okay, well, maybe maybe, maybe not. Next exactly. year. Maybe next year. But yeah. uh, we, we, have, we have a lot to discuss, and we're not going to get to it in this hour. But uh, maybe it'll okay. be a part, a part two with Marcy. Well, um, I would love what, to do that. <laughs> Marcy, what's what, who is out there that's inspiring you? What is, is there other artists that you follow? Or is it, I mean, it might be, something from the yeah. past you mentioned uh, Joan Mitchell's artwork and yours are right. similar but um what in what is inspiring you to continue to create uh, is there people you follow on Instagram other local artists right. or, or what have you feel free to say me just kidding <laughs> oh no I'm loving you I love loving looking at your work uh, so so I'm really inspired 
not so much by people, but I'm going to tell you who I learn from. I'm really inspired by that, that ecstasy, that euphoria you get when you create and that transcendent experience. I love it. Mm -hmm. uh, the challenge of it, it's so hard. The art is so complex, particularly color theory. We could have a, let's have a whole show on color theory. You could have a couple people on to talk about color theory. <laughs> it's actually blowing my mind. Mm -hmm. Like, but as far as like Joan Mitchell is like my all time favorite. Like I said, she's a master of chroma and the loose brush. And I find I'm being pushed and pushed and pushed. It's really funny because I read uh, master's books. Like I have a lot of those coffee table books. Like I've got a Monet, I've got a Renoir, because they say to study the masters, which is absolutely true. The first time I did a floral based off Renoir, it was like fantastic. Everybody loved it. I'm like, oh, that's, a, that's me. I did my own version. Right. But they're, you know, they're, they know a lot. So that's why they call them masters. But Joan mm -hmm. Mitchell, I'm very, I love Van Gogh. I have a Van Gogh, the irises, over my bed. I've had it for at least 25 years. It never disappoints and it keeps talking to me. And I keep learning from him. So I think Van Gogh, and he did so many different types of art, is is very influential. And then I have never really liked still life, but I discovered Bougereau. Like, so that's something awesome about art is like it's changed my life in so many ways. But I discovered, and I think it's Bougereau. He does a lot of spiritual and some mythical, and a lot of women and young girls. And his work is mind-blowing i could have like 15 of his prints that i have i probably will i'll probably have a wall dedicated to him right so um and then i love cy twombly um now my picasso i have this like special relationship with picasso and i really have not studied his work yet because i'm afraid to look at it because he's so it's so provocative and it's so challenging that the thing that has surprised me about Picasso is he has all these perspectives that are blowing my my mind. Like he says, I am always doing that in which I cannot do in order to get to do it. And I'm like, that sounds like Yogi Bear. Like it's like, yes, you, you can go do stuff that you can't do, but you got to go do it. Right. And, you know, another a little tidbit I heard from him was hidden harmony is better than the obvious. Mm -hmm. So like when you look at my work, and you say, oh, I see a, a garden or I see a landscape, but it's really an abstract. That's that hidden harmony. So if my work gets too literal, I take it back a step. I'm like, oh, it's too literal. I see a flower, you know, take right. it back, get a little bit looser. But yeah, uh, Picasso is very inspiring to me. And one of these days I'll study his work, but it's like studying red. I'm not yet to the color red. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of working the color wheel. I started with blue, but red is like I'm blown away by red. Like, I'm gonna like have to maybe step back and and maybe go to a class or something. But I'm learning a lot about reds and blues and yellows and how they work together. The color wheel is blowing my mind too. Yeah. Have you See, heard I, of Munzel? Well, no. you're a you're a designer, so you mm -hmm. know color. You're probably yeah. really good. Well, at color. and that's where where I come from in the design world is um, thinking of color in the psychological terms. Mm -hmm. of you know what what kind of emotion does blue invoke what kind of emotion does red evoke and and right. that's and i've always been more of a fan of the 
bright and bold colors, maybe the 80s aesthetic, maybe early 90s, stuff like that, where it's, mm-hmm. it's a little more bold and not the muted uh, type colors. And right. that's that's where, where I live. I, I did, uh, you, you talked about red, and I created a piece that is almost it's completely red yes, and then i have some white work with red <laughs> some white yeah completely red it was some white stripes on it and stuff and um and uh it actually reminded me a lot of uh uh eddie van halen's guitar was was, oh, uh, cool. it was red had what white white, white yeah. and black stripes all over it so when i was creating it now it was a little more organized than than what he had but it was just in my head when i was creating it i was like oh my gosh this kind of feels like van halen but uh but which is more organization but yeah that's when when I think you know, color is fascinating and can really, you know, change the perspective of a piece. And when you know, I talk about what I get onto Adobe Illustrator when I'm creating my pieces, it makes it a lot easier for me to go. Maybe that's yellow. Nope. Maybe that's blue. Nope. Maybe that's and right. And I can change I have it. I to like look that. here in my gut, or, yeah, or decide right. ahead of time, or learn the hard way. Well, and there's times when I create something and I create it on on the computer but then i get it in front of me and i'm creating and it becomes a different color altogether and yes. whether that's on purpose or that's just right. the way that the colors the canvas work. is talking back yeah to the way it worked so it's uh, it's it's a whole fun new world so you mentioned that you have um a piece that your pieces a series that you're working on yeah. um for uh for this next year is that the only thing you have in the works is that uh, what you're looking towards 2023 oh, or do point. you have more more stuff coming up in this next year right so immediately i'm working on and i'm in a really good place with those paintings i have to have them done by may mm-hmm. and the corresponding written work But I'm also, my goal this year, one of my goals this year, and I I have them up here on my board. I should have pulled that down. Um, I do like a quarterly um, goal sheet, and then I do like a year with broken into six months. So I have like every quarter what I want to do as far as growing my art and growing and what I need to do for the business. But I want to be three series deep. And I learned that. So I actually have an art business mentor. And I asked, we, we meet every six months. And this I got her from that uh, Arts Commission on-ramp program. She loved those sessions. So I know people are going to go, I didn't know there was such a thing. She's a consultant that advises on it. And she said that, because I told her, I said, one of, so one of my things this year, I'm trying to develop my email list, but I am working towards gallery relationships and gallery contracts and so i'll be identifying like 20 regional galleries that i want to pitch to to come to my house and do like studio visits but i said to my advisor i'm like how you got to have product like if somebody's going to commit to you and even when i was in the carmel gallery they were like yeah we want new stuff every 30 days and that was part of the reason why i i left i love them but you have to have products so i'm trying to go three shows deep Mm-hmm. So three three different groupings of paintings so that when I do meet with galleries, they can say, we like your florals, but we don't like your sacred hearts, or we like your improvisational abstracts, but we don't like your floral abstracts. So I can at any given time, and I guess that comes from Georgia O'Keefe. She said that be three shows deep at any time. So that's my goal. I want to be three shows deep. I have some business goals surrounding developing my um email list like i and i have a um i want to finish the book i have an instructional video so you know you start painting and you learn stuff and you say why didn't anybody tell me that i came up with like 30 things i wish i knew 
before I started painting. Like I've taken all these classes and people don't tell you this stuff. You stumble mm -hmm. across it. And I've got it all ready to go. I, I just need to package it and figure out how to distribute it. So I'd like to get that done because I have these things just sitting there ready to go, like the book. And the, so that that's kind of my, I'm not probably, I'm sitting here looking at my board, but I can't see it. I need to you walk gotta, over there. But. You got a lot, a lot planned. Well, and so something interesting that I've noticed from talking to you today, there's, you know, there, there are couple different you know personalities when it comes to creating and and being creative there's the um you know you seem to have more of a organized which is kind of counterintuitive to your art you have a more organized structured <laughs> business sense you're the first person that said that That's awesome. you're, you're, you're very organized with your business <laughs> uh -huh. and, and i'm gonna do this every six months and i'm gonna do that and i'm gonna take care of right. this and, that, and like I'm a little different. I just do it, you know, for fun. It's a hobby and it right. just comes organically whenever, which is funny because my art is more organized. So I don't know, maybe that's, <laughs> you know, we can create, we, I, I talked awesome. to somebody uh, previously, um, Ayana Jones, uh, who I spoke with on, on the I podcast. podcast and yeah, yeah. And she mentioned, you know, we can create the world that we want to create. And so maybe that's mm -hmm. what it is. You know, I have this world that's chaotic and whatnot. So I want to create structure to it. Add you have order. structure and you want to add some, you know, excitement to your world. Right. So it's, uh, there's, there's different personalities. So, um, Marcy, I want to ask you one last question before we okay. wrap up here, but before I do that, if anybody wants to see, uh, Marcy Quay's work, um, her yes. work is at marcyquayart.com. Now Quay is spelled C O U E T, um, marcyquayart.com, or you can see it on Instagram at, uh, marcy.quay, C O U E T dot art. Um, some really fantastic work and it's um you know i love seeing uh pieces that you post so continue posting your new pieces i want to see the new stuff that you have in the next year okay. so uh, i really look forward to seeing them so the final question that i always ask everybody is if you're speaking to a class of creatives um whether it be artists what artists might be a great place for you usually i say mm -hmm. any sort of creatives um what kind of advice would you give to them as they set forth on their creative journey right um Okay, so I'm going to give you just a little bit of some of it's philosophical and some of it's practical because I'm assuming people want to know what do I do when I get the Hobby Lobby or Michaels or whatever. Yeah. So philosophically, I would say that um, limit your tools because it's a big world and that you have to be very courageous and resilient because it's it's very hard. I, I really think it's hard work. Um, I was thinking about something else I wanted to say with that. Um, it's mostly, I'm shocked and it's mostly mental. Like I thought it was going to be all technique based. Like, oh, you go learn the technique. And it's almost like if it's technique based, it's not going to go anywhere because it's not going to have that feeling. So it's more than you can do technique based. And, and you can get wrapped up in all that technique. But as soon as you let loose and you start finding your intuition and your voice, then it's going to get really interesting. But as far as like showing up at Hobby Lobby or Blick, I would say really limit your tools, limit your colors. So a great example would be to start with student grade paints. Like Liquitex has their basics line. And lick a lot of these painting manufacturers have really good websites with really good videos and really good technical sheets on your paint. 
So like Liquitex has one that says, hey, if you're a beginner painter, start with these six colors because these six colors are single pigment colors and they're easy for you to learn to mix. And then they say, when you're ready, go to 12 colors. So I would say find a manufacturer or two that you like paint wise. Don't be afraid to start with student grade because it's not so much about the quality of the paint. It's how you put the paint together. You can be a, you can use real, you can paint with coffee grinds. And if you're a good artist, you can make some really cool stuff. So right. I wouldn't worry about the quality of the paint because some of it's really expensive. It is better. I can tell you, it takes a while to develop that eye to see the quality of paint and pigments. It took me a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I would say limit your tools and think of it like mark making. Um, and not like, hey, I'm going to paint a picture. Start just making marks and having fun with it. it I mean, it really needs to be um, fun. And, what, you know, one yeah. other thing, like I said, that game changer for me was dedicated space. Because it's mm -hmm. messy. You know, and you have to put, get, if, if you're using acrylic, it's water and you're cleaning your brushes. I mean, uh, uh, oil too, you know, you have to deal with the solvent and everything. But anyway, I would say create a dedicated space so that your stuff is out and you can access it quickly. Yeah, I think that's a great, I think that's great advice. I love, you know, have fun with it and don't, don't sweat the technique, you know, don't worry about, you know, I, I spent so much time and I'm glad I did. I mean, looking at YouTube videos of how to do it, but I was so worried about how do I paint with acrylics instead of just doing it. And I think not just with painting, but with anything in life, the best way you could learn how to do anything is just doing it and getting your yeah. hands dirty and actually putting your hands on it. So, you know, actually just go get one of those, you know, cheap, uh, you know, basic uh, things from Hobby Lobby that has, you know, the six colors or 12 colors in it, go right. get yourself one of those, you know, cheap canvases and just start painting and see what happens and just have fun That's with right. it and do it don't don't go into this creating art thinking i'm going to create art to sell it and make millions like go yeah. into it to uh, find that euphoria find that that uh, that creative outlet that you have and whether that is painting or writing or music or whatever it might be whatever you do go into it for yourself and have fun creating that's right. kind of where i land with anything that i do is you know find find something that's fun you like doing it and if you if you try it and you hate it and it's no good but What'd you lose? Nothing. You gained knowledge, Nothing. right? Right. Well, Marcy, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate all your insight. And um, I know that you and I are going to talk more afterwards. Awesome. <laughs> we'll, okay. have, we'll, we'll talk more about uh, all this stuff, but, and maybe we'll have you back again someday because I have a feeling you have a wealth of knowledge that, uh, that we could go on for another, another hour. So yeah, sorry Marcy, about that. <laughs> no, no, this is great. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, I'll thank talk to you, you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Each week on Create, Talk, Repeat, I want to leave you with some creative task or inspiration, something to get your creative juices flowing. This week, I want you to go find and visit a local art gallery. Just get online and start searching. You'll find it. There's so many independent galleries and studios that would love to show off their work. And who knows, maybe it might inspire you to create something that will be in a gallery someday. I hope this helps you on your creative journey. Thanks for listening to Create, Talk, Repeat.
Create Talk Repeat is a Brenton Creative production. Created and hosted by me, Dustin Brenton. Development and brainstorming assistance by Darren Caldwell. Music by Creative Culture. Follow us on Facebook at Create Talk Repeat or visit our website at createtalkrepeat.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.